Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Spurs fans? Welcome into another episode of SSPN Live. It's been a minute since we've done one of these, Ethan. We've been doing post games. Um, we haven't really had, you know, we've done we've done some stuff with Clan. We've done some stuff with TSR, but we haven't had like a true SSPN Live sit down episode where we just kind of talk about the season, talk about the Spurs, talk about a lot of stuff. I see we already got some people here from the waiting room, so we appreciate you guys. Y'all see it. Look, I got the Devin Vassell shirt on. I got the Fiesta shirt when I was there. And that's how we're going to start off today's episode. Both of us, you may have noticed that on the Wednesday recap, it was just me because I was solo. And then on Friday, we didn't have one. That's because both of us actually went to Spurs games this week. And shout out to Nick in the chat. I appreciate you on Twitter and in the chat here today, my guy. Um, but yeah, Ethan, tell me about what it was like at the Hawks game on Wednesday. I know it was at L, but you got to see the guys in person. Uh, how was that? It's always a great atmosphere, Jude. I love being at the AT&T Center. You know, all the fans are, you know, just like us. They're fanatics about the Spurs. We're a big, huge family. We overreact in one direction. We get overhyped in the other direction. You know, the classic, classic tropes of being a fanatic. Uh, but it was cool, man. I saw Dominique Wilkins. He was there. I, I almost went and got a picture with him, but uh, I, I, uh, I decided against it. The got last a little minute. nervous. I got a little nervous. You know, yeah, you know how it you is. Know, yeah. It's always great to see Sean Elliott. I think it was Bill Land's birthday. The phenomenal play-by-play commentator. If y'all watch the Spurs on TV, uh, you, you know, and, and for the first quarter, it looked like we were. It was going to be a really competitive game. You know, Trey Young versus Dejounte Murray. Exactly what we wanted to see. And unfortunately, it got out of hand pretty quick there, Jude. But it's still fun. Yeah, I was watching that one, and it was just... I mean, at least they came back a little bit in the third, made a little bit of a run. Um, But I'm glad to hear that the environment was good, because that was, like, I think my main takeaway from the game that we were at on Friday, which I went to the Fiesta night. um, That was just incredible. And not to steal your thunder here a little bit, Ethan, but... We got a steal of tickets, y'all. Look at where I was sitting. This was if you're not if you're on the podcast, go on the YouTube, check it out. I'm not gonna give all the details away, but let me tell you, these seats were worth may, way more than we paid for, <laughs> and um, it was just a phenomenal experience. Unfortunately, uh, some of the other pictures didn't load, but here's a little close up of our future Ooh, MVP, the cousin league takeover, um, Josh Primo, and he actually got some minutes. And that was crazy in the second quarter. Um, and I know he he went 0 for 1 in that game, but still looked confident on the pull-up and was honestly pretty competent in rotations. Yeah, I didn't do much, but he didn't make any mistakes out there either where it was like when you were watching Bryn that night, it was, oh, it was a tough one. But this was the moment of the night by far. Keldon caught his first body. I mean, we've seen him kind of catch bodies before, but this was like what we've been waiting for for such a long time. And to see him get that on Grant Williams on Fiesta night, um, you know, I was there with two Celtics fans and it was so funny because like two years ago and granted it was two years ago. So maybe I was a little out of pocket, but I told him, I said, Keldon Johnson has all-star potential. And they were like, what are you talking about? And you know, it's not their fault. They don't follow the team like we do. But tonight (laughs) it was just funny. You know, two years later, he catches a body on, (laughs) 
you know, one of their favorite players has 17 and 14. And they were like, no, yeah, he's probably got the highest ceiling on the team. That's how they felt. And obviously, you know, Keldon's had his struggles, which we'll talk about. But the main thing on that Friday night game, Ethan, was DeJounte Murray. To see him go one-on-one with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the clutch, you were leading the whole game, gave up the lead to a seven-point lead, 88-81. to Then you go on a 15-0 run to close the game out. And we all saw the picture of DeJounte where he was like, eh. you know, you saw the Kobe, the Kobe comparisons. And bro, y'all, th- there were so many expletives that I was shouting like <laughs> near the court, like when he hit those shots, because, you know, it's all it's all friendly banter. We don't take anything personal, but we were going back and forth the whole game. There was a group that we had. There were two of us that were Celtics fans, two of us that were uh, Spurs fans. Shout out to Will Ryan and Spencer. Um but, you know, when he hit that, I was like, it's his court. It's his court. But I wasn't saying it like that. Um, but DeJounte was that guy in that game. And even if the Spurs, you know, they continue to struggle, they don't put it all together. And that's the anomaly rather than the rule. The way that they played that night and just the experience of that game was so incredible, dude. The Fiesta Nights, like just the mm-hmm. way that everything is put up, the colors. I have so many more pictures that I loaded on here, but they didn't load as JPEG, so Restream doesn't let me upload them. But I mean, dude, like I got the shirt. It was just such a great thing. We got Fiesta Cups. We were like right on the floor. Like seeing, I've never been that close at an NBA game. That's the mm-hmm. best seats I've ever had. Seeing guys like that close. Seeing in the second half, you know, there's another dunk that Keldon had. Getting to see DeJounte go ISO, like, literally like 20 to 30 feet away from me. Just, just incredible. I'm so glad that, you know, they pulled that one out. Um, really though, I, I getting back into the Spurs, I feel like that's still, you know, more of an anomaly than, than the rule for the Spurs this year. And that's one of the things DeJounte said in the press conference. Um, and that was just, you know, this is a great team win. And like my man, Eric Flores says, that's how the Spurs need to play all the time. But like DeJounte said in his post-game presser, they need to build on it. So that was my experience in the game. I don't know if you got to catch that one or catch the highlights after Ethan, but what were your thoughts on that last Celtics game? Uh, my biggest takeaway was the fourth quarter. I know we were we were up by a lot in the first quarter. I kind of caught the recap. I didn't catch the entire game live. I only saw like the end of the game live on TV. Uh, but the first quarter, we got up by a lot, and then we really let the Celtics back into it. And I was scared, Jude. I was like, oh, here we go again. Because last year, we let them back. From, was a 31-point lead that yeah. we gave up to the Celtics last year? I was like, again, history is repeating itself. But we managed to close. And I, you talked about DJ being the closer. Yeah, absolutely. He hit some really big shots there at the end of the game. But shout out to my man, Derek White, who also hit a big shot at the end. I know he had an inefficient night. He had 17 points, which was great. But five He got cold it from three yeah. in the second half half but if he doesn't hit those threes in the first half we don't win that game and that was a clutch you know mid-range pull-up bucket from Derek White I think to put us into a two-score game I think it was it was like uh we were up by one point and he he hit a mid-range and we got up by three something like that and then DJ came back down and put us up by five I'm pretty sure that's how the the uh the chain of events went but the the biggest takeaway from that game was the energy from the crowd and the team feeding off of it because it seems like to me as we've continued to lose. So you're saying that three, you know they they won because I was there. Yes, you know, exactly. They could hear me. Jude yeah. McLaren was in the house that <laughs> night, just getting all the guys riled up. Uh, you just need to be there every night, Jude. Dude, honestly, dude. Okay, now I have to interrupt you just for one second because y'all have to know this. So. 
the first bucket that Keldon goes and gets, and I'm telling, like, before the game, I'm telling these Celtics fans, and they don't really watch the Spurs. And look, it's cool. I don't really watch the Celtics, right? And I'm like, no, we have this guy who yells big body when he scores. And they're like, okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. I guess they didn't really say that, but they didn't, you know, they didn't really think too much of it. They're like, oh, that's cool. He does it. I'm sure he does it against the Magic, right? And, you know, I'm not even mad at them for thinking that. But the first bucket that he gets, I'm like, big body. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, it is, you know, like chesting up my friend. It was just, he was just like, I can't believe this is really happening. It's like, if I were the Celtics in that night, that's, that's what I would have thought too. But I'm looking up the play by play for the game because I'm trying to figure out um, that, that Derek bucket that you talked about. We're in the fourth quarter. Mm Mm-hmm right now um well he made free throws he made the last two points of the game um and yes so what happened he actually made a pull-up jump shot with 121 left to take the lead and then that's when Dejounte made the six foot floater and then the 13 foot shot that's right um, to really put the game away so and before that we had a Dejounte layup which was an assist from Derek White so I mean, this is what we've been saying for forever, but in this instance, it was DeJounte and Derek who basically they they outplayed Jalen. And in this one game, I'm not saying they're both better than them, but in this one game, they outplayed Jalen Brown mm-hmm. and Jason Tatum. And in order to win games, you gotta, you know, your best players gotta outplay their best players in the most important moments. And, and that's what happened. I, I'm, another thing I'm forgetting too, I mean, I'm looking at the last, from the last three minutes of the game, it was either Derek White free throws um, or DeJounte Murray buckets with Derek White assists. One of them was a Trey Jones assist, but the last, like every shot that the that the Spurs made in the last bottom three minutes of the game were either DeJounte Murray or Derek White. So The guy's making the money. And Trey Jones, right, you finally. said that name, he had a really good game too. Yes, had a fantastic game. The Spurs even posted about it afterwards and they were like, you know, like the impact that he makes doesn't show up in the stat sheet always. But it definitely showed up in this game. What did you see from Trey? I mean, I see exactly what I thought I would see, you know, prior to the season starting, which is a guy that understands how to play basketball. Just a pure point guard that can facilitate. He can get his buckets when he needs to. He was five for six tonight. Really talented at getting into the lane and finishing with either hand. But it's his ability to play make for others that's just unparalleled off that bench unit. Lonnie's trying to do it. He's not as natural as Trey Jones and Bryn Forbes. We know what Bryn Forbes does. If he's not hitting a wide open spot up three, he's basically you know useless on the team so i'm glad that he's finally starting to get some meaningful minutes that's the duke trey jones yeah duke produces some great point guards that know how to play basketball and that's what he is he's just a point guard that understands how to play basketball and that's something that we need off that bench unit and hopefully he can kind of start getting more playing time since Bryn Forbes had such a bad game against the Celtics. But weirdly, Jude, he was absolutely the best player on the court in my game against the Hawks. <laughs> like, he was out of this world. Like, before the game, I was watching it with my dad, who who's like a casual Spurs fan. And uh, I was like, yeah, that Bryn Forbes right there, number seven, he's like one of the worst players on, on the <laughs> and court. And then he goes for 23. <laughs> yeah, he, I was like, what's going on? Like, he couldn't miss. Like, mid-range pull-ups, three-pointers, getting to the basket. Like, he was all over the court. And I was like, wow, I'm really eating my own words here well notice that wasn't a loss and in a win of course he was he just has to play bad i guess he just needs to play bad and that's how the spurs win 
over five from the three point land. Like that's literally all he was brought here to do. And he, and he was five. just no, dude. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, here's another story. So when Tatum, like when they started taking their lead, bro, y'all should have no. And I texted you. You heard this, mm-hmm. but the, the the fans didn't. I'm like, okay, so y'all saw the picture. And for those of you who are just joining and who may have missed it, I'm gonna put it up one time, one more time. Look, I'm like a row away from. So you see these seats, like right there, the three rows. Those are on court. I'm like two rows, like I'm one row away. I'm the second row from the bottom of like the non-on-court seats, if that makes sense. And I'm right here and Tatum is pulling up and it's like Bryn is on him for two straight possessions and they're taking the lead. And I scream, bro. I look at Pop and I scream. I go, Pop, why is he guarding him? Why is he guarding him? And like, I, I was screaming, bro. And it, it wasn't even like, I didn't say it like that. Like there were expletives. Like it was so like, I was like, why is he guarding him? But I was screaming it, bro. I hope y'all like, I let, I let it know. I don't know if they heard it. And it's not even against Bryn. It's just like anybody else needs to be guarding Jason Tatum when they're like on a run, taking the lead in the fourth quarter. We need DeJounte. Derek was doing, you know, sometimes because of the height, you know, uh, discrepancy. Jason would get some buckets on Derek, but for the most part, he was doing a really solid job. And it was once again, our rotations. And that's just the consistent problem. If there's one thing that we can continue to say in this episode, that's, you know, I guess in pertaining to how the Spurs will do for the rest of the seasons and not just, you know, the high of these games that I was at and that you were at, um, is just that our rotations really need to get better, man. Um, and I'm seeing the skater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so huge. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Side well, note for you, dude, real quick. With the Celtics game, I just realized this. This is like the first, I don't know if it's the first game. I have to go back and look. But one of the few games where we have actually out-rebounded our opponent. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. We could actually, I mean, yeah, we could match up with them a little bit. I was surprised um, and I guess impressed with how well uh, Jakob did against Horford. Um, I know that he's taller than him, but, you know, obviously Al Horford is bigger than him, so I thought that, you know, he he could push around Jakob in the paint. Didn't happen as much um, as we thought. And then, you know, uh, our man Thad Young and Drew Eubanks were able to hold their own against Ennis Cantor. Even though he's big, we know that we kind of know what Ennis Cantor is. He's he's a softy a little bit. I hate to say it, but, like, that's just what he is in the paint. You know, he can... He's a rebounder, often good offensive rebounder, good bucket getter, but defensively he's a liability. Um, that's how he's been throughout his career. So it was good to see that for sure. But another topic that we have today that my man Mace said earlier, and this is something that we had planned into the stream, and I didn't even think about MIP. I think that's something that he might have a legit shot at getting to Ethan. Um, but the thing that we wanted to talk about, and this is a shout out to my man. Let me pull up the tweet, tweet real quick. If I can find it. Oh, I just did. And then I bounced out of it. So we forgot it. But point is, there was a tweet that came out a couple days ago, and it said that um, DeJounte Murray is the only player in the NBA averaging 18 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and two steals. And basically the tweet was, he should be an all-star. And I just think, you know, especially with that performance that we just had against the Celtics, um, with, I know that we just talked about how Derek was there to help him out for sure, but really it was all DeJounte, 29-11 and 6, um, you know, was able to outscore Tatum and Brown in that game. Uh, you know, guys who are former all-stars, right? So he went toe-to-toe mm-hmm. to them this game and beat him. 
Um, we're going to have to see a, it happen a little bit more consistently, I think, for him to get that all-star nod. But I think this is just an example that, you know, in, in this first season, despite the record, I think that there is, I think DeJounte has a shot at getting that all-star nod. Will he get it is a completely different conversation. Um, but I think with the way that he's playing, he's definitely in the conversation. What are your thoughts on his all-star chances, Ethan? Well, Jude, I actually looked up the 2021 all-star roster as a way of almost um, trying to keep this logical and saying, no, yeah. he's not going to get in because these guys are so great. But or as I continue record. to, yeah, or the record, but as I continue to look at it, here's some of the guards that I don't think will make it this year. Kyrie Irving, obviously he's not going to make it. Mike Conley way out of the contention, in my opinion. Um, that's just, it's two right there. And let's go look at team LeBron. I had another one. I wanted to say, sorry, excuse me while I, I do this. <laughs> no uh, worries. Damian Lillard will make it just because he's Damian Lillard, yes. even though he's having a bad season. I don't know if they counted Ben Simmons as a guard or not, but if they, they did, probably did, if they did. He's out too. So that's three spots for guards open with DJ averaging 18, eight and eight. And I know, I know his team record is not that great. Um, but there, there have been some players whose records have not been great, who have made the all-star team because their stats have been so, you know, great or inflated, whatever your, you know, opinion of that is. And at the same time, you think of guys like Shea Gilders Alexander, whose team is also not probably not going to be very good, but he's averaging 20 points a little bit more than DJ, but he's only averaging four assists and four rebounds uh, while mm-hmm. DJ's averaging assists, eight rebounds and two steals. Um, so it's weird, but at the same time, San Antonio, you know, historically, we've always had a player or two that have been snubbed simply because we're such a small market and our, our style of play isn't necessarily sexy. So DJ won't be out there getting all these highlights on NBA's Instagram or all this mm-hmm. stuff, but he's still consistently playing at a certain level. Um, so I think his chances are might be actually higher than we're giving him credit for because I'm trying to think if there's somebody in the West that is clearly better than him. Um, other than the, you know, of the minus the three people that we've mentioned already. Yeah. And there's, you know, the, if you look at the West guards, it's just going to be tough because you do have, you have Steph Curry, you have Luca, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're, those they're are shoes. Those are locks. Yeah. Um, like you said, Damien's probably going to get in and he gets the Portland boat every time too. Every time. So that's probably another lock. Um, I think Chris Paul, Chris yeah, Paul is probably, that's another, so how, how many guards are they going to have? Those are, those are all, yeah. Devin Booker. But then that still leaves the Mike Conley spot from last year because mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think there's a chance in hell that he gets in. And this is a John good Morant, point from our yep. man Greg. John, John Morant is somebody else. That's right. I'm not sure exactly what the stats are there. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough. But I think that he has like more of it. This is probably the highest chance he's had in his career. Yeah. Um, and I think he's going to be in the on conversation. I think he'll get votes. I'm kind of with y'all at the same point. Like even though – there, there's a chance, like we're saying, um, I still am probably – what I was going to say at the beginning before we even got into this conversation was that, uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I want it to, yeah, and I wanted to bring too. it up because I think that there is a higher chance, like more than we thought, but probably just because of the talent stacked in the West, um, it's going to be tough. And here's another example from our man Greg, another crazy leap. Uh, from John Morant and also just the way that the Spurs play but hopefully you know I I think there's going to be a lot of people like there's going to be somebody else from around the league in that room when there's an 
all-star conversation and they're going to yeah. vouch they're going to vouch for DeJounte even though he's not going to get it like that people he's getting more respect around the league um this year and we had another question from our man Guillermo you asked what sh- DJ's shooting efficiency so right now he is only shooting 31% from 3 um but he's also taking almost one more three a game so like he's we know this year that he's making more threes than he did last year, even though technically his percentage is a little bit less, 0.3 less to be exact. Um, and then, But overall, he's shooting 44.8%, so basically 45% from the field, which is pretty solid. Um, DeJounte misses some shots, but I think we've seen – this is probably his most efficient season, wouldn't you say, Ethan? Yeah, probably. Regardless of stats, like just how many shots he makes um, so far. And I think, once again, as our man F. Nico says, he'll definitely be in the running for MIP mm-hmm. um, and should be on all-star defense. Those are probably, honestly, more realistic the more we're probably. talking about this all-star thing. So I think DeJounte for MIP, a little bit more hope. You know, that's the campaign. we got to get it trending. we got to tweet it out. Um, <laughs> but Please. like my man Joseph Ferndon says, um, all-star voting is tricky. Yeah. And the mention of John Morant and the more we're talking about this and you know who else is a dark horse that I didn't even think about until just now? Who? I know he hasn't played at all this season, but he's planning on coming back around Christmas time, and All Star voting doesn't start until after Christmas, I think. Clay Thompson being the name, Clay Thompson. What if he comes back at- and is just like on a tear? Yeah, then he's a, he's a shoe in too. Yeah. So you forget about that as well. Yep, there's a lot of favoritism in the All Star voting, like my man Eric Flores says. But I think, like I said, I think Dejounte does have the best argument he's had in his career and um, should be in that conversation, hopefully. But with that being said, please give us any questions that you have just about the Spurs moving forward in the chat as well. And we're going to do a little bit of a preview of the matchups this week um, to close out the show tonight. So let's go ahead and see. The Spurs have the Washington Wizards tomorrow night. And in the past, it would have been like, oh, that's a fun game. But the Wizards are actually finally putting it together this year and have a positive record. And Bradley Beal is playing well. Um, I was talking to somebody and they said it was the Kuzma effect. And (laughs) I just facepalmed. But, you know, I guess you can't really argue, you know, with I think Kyle Kuzma is what did it. Ethan, what do you think? Yeah, that and probably I, I would I would give Spencer Dinwiddie and Montrez Harrell more of a nod than I would Kyle <laughs> Kuzma. But uh, I've been super high on Spencer Dinwiddie probably for like three years now. We used to talk about it all the time. He's a KTSW. great player. Yeah, I, I really like what he brings to the to the Wizards. I hope Keldon can catch another body though, because the Wizards don't necessarily play huge. Um, you know, because they usually have Montrez at the center or the power forward, who's only six seven. So this could prove to be a good matchup. But like you said, Wizards are hot right now so yeah probably you know and really the wizards might be just more well-rounded and even though yeah, montrez is somebody that we can match up with size wise i think he's going to be more Plays of a problem huge. than any, any of the bigs that we had against the celtics so that'll be interesting to watch um but we got a question here from my man guillermo and i think that this is a good question um, what kind of contract would you offer Lonnie next year? And I'm going to add a little bit of a parenthesis at the end, if you don't mind, my man, uh, and just say, if any. So there you go, Ethan. The floor is yours. I'm not even going to pretend to understand the money situation. Like, <laughs> I don't want to We have a lot of cap. Out. We have like $40 million in cap around. I'm not going to give a specific number, but I wouldn't offer him a lot of money. Um, 
nor would I, I don't even know if I'd give him three years as white dog skater is saying, uh, cause he still hasn't really shown me that he's going to get better after this season yet. Uh, let's see if he can turn it around. We still have a lot more games to play. Uh, and I never want to just write him off, but, uh, I don't know, Jim, I'm just going to throw it to you. Cause I don't want to make a fool out of myself. I don't understand you know, salary cap and contract length and all that jazz. So, yeah, I just wouldn't offer him one as of right now. And people might not Fair. like that, but just the way that he's played, um, you know, we've given him however many years and I watched him again and he made some shots, but that's all he does. I mean, he, sometimes he makes some shots and sometimes that's, he makes that's the <laughs> other times he does not. Um, but <laughs> anyways, Lonnie, you just, for being the pick that he was, a first-round pick, uh, I'm with my man, F. Nico. Um, Lonnie needs a change of scenery. I'd just rather invest in Primo and Wieskamp at this point um, yeah. because I don't know their ceiling. I mean, even if I do know their ceiling, like Wieskamp, I think, is going to be a more consistent shooter than Lonnie is. At, like, if, like, Wieskamp's floor as a shooter is still, like, better in the role that Lonnie's playing right now. And then of course, Primo's ceiling at 18 years old is, you know, we, we don't see it. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I'd rather draft a big and then let Lonnie go. And hopefully he can, you know, find a good place for himself somewhere else. Um, it's a little bit yeah. different than Luca. It's like with Lonnie, I want him to go somewhere else and be good. Where with yeah. Luca, it was like, after that, it's like, dang it. He's averaging like 26 and 10 in the G League now. <laughs> it's stupid. But uh, going back to my man Dylan, yes, Lonnie is an RFA after this year. And so that's the thing. I think if I'm going to offer Lonnie anything, I'm going to give him one more year on a qualifying offer. And that's if I have to offer him something. Because if not, I just wouldn't. I would just rather give Primo those minutes. Yeah, we just have too many guards right now. So it's like, would you rather play Trey and Primo and Wheezy or would you rather give Lonnie some money? And the sad thing about Lonnie is I think that he still, despite not really showing us much. He has potential still. I think, yeah, I think he could be really, really a solid player. I think he has like Jordan Clarkson on the jazz type potential still, um, even at this point in his career, which would suck if he went to some team in the west and became like a six man of the year candidate exactly what we wanted him to be maybe just a couple years later than we were you know willing to wait but um i don't know it's a tough one yeah i'm just i'm just not sold on him like i said yeah he really he's super athletic and that's why he still has Mm -hmm. an appeal because you get like we had that amazing layup where he, you know, put it around his back and got it like a couple games ago. But it's like you get one of those moments every once in a while and then it just, you don't see it anymore. And that's where I agree completely with my man Linemer here. Lonnie is all mental, all the attributes are there. But the thing that concerns me is that that mental thing has been going on for like, he's in his third year, fourth year in the league. I don't even, I, I can't believe I don't know that off the top of my head. I know he was in the 2018 draft, so that would be yeah, that would make him or was no, he was 2017. No, no. he was no, he, he was 2018. Okay, yeah, so that would make it his third year in the league, I think. Yeah, and it's just like I'm I'm getting more out of Keldon, and I drafted him the year after. Yeah, and and Dylan, I think that's. Yeah. I was gonna say if D- Dylan might have a point here about Pop breaking his confidence early, and he's finally starting to get it back. I respect that. Yeah, but, that could that could be it, but the other guys like Keldon and 
DeJounte and Derek, their confidence wasn't broken. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily for Lonnie, but maybe it is just a change of scenery because I want him to play well. But maybe he's just not made to play under Popovich and he just needs like a a new coach to kind of lead him along in a different way. Yeah, at the end of the day with Lonnie, um, all of our hope for him stems from a 26-point performance two years ago against the Rockets. Mm. And... (laughs) so true and so you know he's never been the same since he cut the hair never been the same yep never been the same um with all that being said though i know that like the reason lonnie cut his hair was actually like a really like deep emotional reason so i'm super happy for him in that aspect if y'all know what i'm talking about um but on the court it just hasn't been the same it just hasn't been the same and i'd rather you know looking at where the spurs are going to draft it's like I would rather give that roster spot to whoever we're drafting um, and get maybe a veteran, I, I, you know, give some other young player a contract. I have no idea. Um, maybe all of a sudden an all-star level player wants to come play for, this, f- play for us and that $10 million that we would have given him would be uh, right. very beneficial. Right, yeah. So I'm with Guillermo. Um, I think that he'll get an offer around $6 mil per year. That's around where the qualifying offer is at. Um, so that's, that's where I'd say if he does get an offer, that's probably what he's going to get, which will basically be like, okay, Lonnie, we're going to play you one more year. And like, this is your chance to prove to us. But honestly, I think the Spurs after this season, first of all, I don't think we know who's going to be the coach. I think that pop could very well retire after this season, depending on how things go. Maybe he does one more year, but he could retire. And like my man, white dog skater says, be patient. It's a long season because who knows Lonnie could still you know, he could break out switch. the rest of the year and this could be uh, a stupid conversation. He said he could be the Jordan Clarkson for us. That is true. He yeah. could be. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully Lonnie can do that um, because it would be nice to keep him here on a team-friendly contract because he has mentioned before how much he loves San Antonio. Um, and even before this season, they kind of asked him about the contract thing and he just was basically talking about how like he hopes he can stay here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Granted, Kawhi said that too, but yeah. You know, this is very different situation. Um, so I agree with you, my man, White Dog. Uh, so, Ethan, I talked about defensive rotations earlier. Where, uh, why do you think that we keep letting, like, we keep getting in these situations where Jakob Pertle or Bryn Forbes is guarding an elite perimeter player? I've been trying to figure that out all season, Jude, and I'm. I don't know because I'm not, you know, a basketball expert. I'm not a coaching staff or anything like that. I don't know if it's necessarily the Spurs' fault as much as it is the opponent knowing, you know, what we need to attack. You know, as the Boston Celtics coming in, what would you do? What would you tell Jason Tatum, Jude, if you're the coach? You need to switch onto Bryn Forbes or Yaka Pirtle. <laughs> and that's the they easiest. just switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to get our buckets. And I, I don't know if that's what's happening. And, there's nothing we can do to fix it or if it's just pop telling them we're switching everything no matter what um and that's what's getting us in trouble either way it needs to be addressed in some in some way because the miscommunication on all these pick and rolls and dribble handoffs are really what's getting us in trouble on the defensive side of the ball yeah i I really think that's the number one thing is that they're just hunting for those for those guys that they know can't defend worth a you know insert cuss word (laughs) well 
you know, the other thing is too, that kind of weirds me out with this question is that like, sometimes we do double team like on those players. It's Mm -hmm. very rare, but like we do it sometimes. So it, it tells me that it's not like always switch everything, but it's also like, we still let it happen consistently. So y'all tell us in the comments, if you have any idea what's going on with the rotations there, because we're continuing to see, you know, Jakob Pertl out there on on Jason Tatum or whoever. And same thing with Bryn Forbes. Um, and sometimes they get the switches right and it's like they adjust, but it's it's not always. And I feel like they should always do that when it's an elite defensive player. And mm-hmm. let's see what my man White Dog says here. Um, they choose rather to switch than to stick to the player and getting stuck on the screen. But the pro- and, and he, I get what you're saying, but the problem is we still get stuck on screens. Like that's another thing that has given out um, you know, given us a lot of problems. We've talked about that in some episodes where DeJounte and Derek, you know, they'll be playing great defense, but they just get a screen. They just can't get over it. And it's like sometimes, and, and that'll give, and that'll just give a wide open three, two, because Jakob will be like, okay, I'm going to stay with this role because it's a pick and roll. Sometimes it's a pick and pop, but you, you get what I'm saying. In this situation, it's a roll and they can't get over the screen. And then Jakob's not going out on the perimeter, but you don't want him out on the perimeter. So you can't complain but that's still on other plays. He ends up playing on the perimeter. And the more I'm talking about this, Ethan, I think it's just an example of how this is a young, convoluted team that is learning to play NBA basketball and has problems. And it's probably that they're just trying to stick to this to the scheme. But it, it sometimes they probably have some different schemes that they throw out there and it just doesn't work out. Um so yeah, sometimes they do get out muscled for sure though, Nick. I think that is that is one thing too. And I think that's also just a maybe another symptom of of being a little younger. Yeah, it's it's the age. That's one thing. And I know some people are going to be upset that we we say that they're a young team because there's like 10 other teams that are younger than them necessarily. But this is also like the first year that a lot of these guys have had consistent minutes and consistent minutes in the roles they have with the guys on the court with them if that makes sense at all. Yeah, like, yes. You know, usually we had a Jamari out there, at least, or a Rudy, or a Patty, maybe all three. This is the first time we they haven't really had together. that veteran presence. You even had LaMarcus. Yes, we're getting used to that communication aspect of playing on the court together. Um, I think it'll get better as time progresses, and I think Floyd, is what Kizzy was saying, like this is just a matter of tactics. What? How do you want to defend? You could choose what, you know, do you want to fight through the screen, or do you want to just switch everything? And if that's the case, then, you know, why why not try the other way? Because it seems to me we're only choosing to switch and we haven't really tried whatever the other tactic may be. Um, I don't know. I'm not a coach. Maybe maybe I'm speaking out of my butthole here. Um, yeah, I'm not either. And we're just trying to kind of talk about it. You know, this is a yeah. space for Spurs fans to talk exactly. about what's going on with the team. And I think Dylan has a great point here. And this is something that I didn't connect the dots in my head. But in the press conference after the Atlanta Hawks game, DeJounte was like, hey, we talk to each other off the court, you know, all the time. It may have not been the Hawks game, but one of our recent losses. And he's like, we talk to each other off the court a lot. You know, we love talking to each other there. But sometimes for some reason we get on the court and we don't talk to each other. We don't communicate. And that's what my man Dylan said. They're not talking enough on defense. And that is why some of their transitions uh, on rotations are rough. And I actually agree with that because the more I was out there you know, literally listening. And I didn't really hear too many call outs. I heard it sometimes. I heard one from Keldon. And then I heard from DeJounte was kind of talking the whole game, but that's DeJounte. I heard a little bit. It was, if it was like one, two, three, if I had to rank it, it was DeJounte, but still 
you know, sometimes it's not his job to have the call out. So like he might've, you know, he, there may have not been a call out on that play, but it wasn't his job to do it. And I'm sure that's probably where the issues are. Um, but then also I heard Derek a little bit, but, and then I heard Keldon like once call out backside, backside, but like other than that, that was probably the only three guys that I heard talking on the court the whole night. So that could be something for sure. And that's something they talked about in press conferences. And I think that maybe I was at the game and I heard a little bit more communication and maybe that, you know, helped lead to the win uh, in that game. But as I mentioned, we still had Jakob Pertl out there, you know, guarding Tatum, same thing with Bryn Forbes. Um, and yeah, we do give up the corner three a lot. Um, we've given that up to a lot of teams and that is um, a very, very easy. I mean, that's the best three that you can take. Um, for snipers, that's usually knockdown. So yeah, closeouts have been weak, but I felt like they did get better when I, specifically the Celtics game I was at, you know, we've mentioned that on the show, how the closeouts have been weak. They've been, a, they were a lot better in that Celtics game. Um, so I think really all it comes down to the more and more we talk, Ethan, is, you know, can they build off of this win against the Celtics? Because that was probably the most complete game that they've played all year. And I know that the Celtics have had their struggles um, and they've got a new coach and they're working through some things with Brad Stevens as the new GM and our boy Ime Udoka um, getting them through, you know, the start of this process and, and Will Hardy's over there also. Um, and maybe that was just the reason that, that, the, that the Spurs were able to beat them because Pop just, you know, literally trained their entire coaching mm-hmm. staff. That could have been a reason. I didn't think about that until now. Um, but building off this win, you know, building off the growth that we saw in that game. But at the same time, it's like, could this just be an anomaly? And could we go back to, you know, the lottery team that we've seen the whole season uh, against the Withers tomorrow, but Floyd Kizzy, uh, Devin and Doug McDermott are questionable tomorrow. Um, they were questionable in the Friday game and then got downgraded to out, but it says they were upgraded to questionable. That's what Paul Garcia tweeted, I believe. So hopefully, um, these guys or Devin and Doug McDermott will be back getting through two, three point shooters back would be huge. And thank you, Floyd Kizzy. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being in here. I'm with Nick, though. Lottery team is the most likely outcome. What do you got, Ethan? Prediction for the rest of the season right now could be completely wrong after we see three more games of greatness. I don't know. But right now on SSPN Live, Spurs prediction. I think the safe bet would be lottery team with an occasional great win like we saw tonight where the energy's great, everything is clicking, and we're like, here it is. We're starting to get rolling. We're going to start going on a win streak, and we're going to push our way into the play-in tournament, maybe even the playoffs. But then the next game, it'll be right back to regularly scheduled programming um, because that's just how it's going to be with a young team, like I said, that hasn't played in these roles until this season. It's just going to take time, so we need to stay level-headed and try not to overreact to, to bad things and at the same time the great things that we see. Yes, absolutely, Ethan. Couldn't have said it better myself. We got a couple more questions that just came in, so we'll finish those out and wrap this episode up. Y'all follow any draft prospects for my man F. Nico? So mm-hmm. I've actually have been, um, and this year, I think I'm just more into college basketball this year. It's weird. I, I've been covering college basketball and high school basketball for a little bit, so I guess it's just kind of given me more of an appreciation for that game. And Therefore, by watching them, I've been watching a lot of Gonzaga, a lot of Duke, um, a lot of UCLA, all those top teams. So really the main two I've been following are, of course, Chet Holmgren and Paulo Banchero. 
Um, so hopefully the Spurs can get up there in the draft. I don't know if those two guys are going to even be in their range. Um, Jalen Duren is another player out of Memphis that I would like to see. He's a big. And then there's another player, I believe, out of Auburn, Jabari Smith. He's more of like a hybrid four who could pl- who's really more like a three. Like, But he's like KD. He's like 6'10". Not he's not going. I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant. That's not what I was doing there. I'm just saying that like he's a lengthy kind of. He's really a three, but he plays the four because he's tall. Um, that's somebody else I like, and so I just like these draft prospects that are in kind of the top of the lottery. Not always just the top, but like top ten prospects. There's a lot of bigs in the top ten. Nikola Jovic is another one as well. Um, so I'd like to see. You know, last year we wanted a Spurs big. And I think now we're happy with Primo, but it's like, okay, great. Primo is great, but like, seriously, let's get a big, like, especially yes. in a talent uh, rich draft like this one. So um, those are what I've really kept up with, with the draft prospects. Is there anything you want to say about those guys, Ethan? You know me, Jude. I'm consistently <laughs> inconsistent when it comes to college basketball and understanding prospects. And, and, you know, I'll know like the top three guys, but outside of that, I really don't have an opinion because I don't want to just start saying a bunch of nonsense that I read yeah. online when I really <laughs> don't know anything about them. Uh, but I did I did watch Chet versus um, uh, Paolo Bonchero the other night, and I like – I'm leaning toward – Paolo, if I got to choose, obviously the Spurs yeah. would have to land one or two to get either of those guys. But I, I like Paolo a lot. I think he has a chance to have an impact. I don't know if his upside is as high as Chet, but I feel like he can have like an impact immediately where your team is starting to win more games pretty much right off the bat. Whereas Chet might need a little more, more time because he hasn't filled out and because he's, you know, just eh, really hasn't filled out at all. He's like <laughs> slender. He's a string bean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the idea of Paulo too, um, especially because he's a four. Mm-hmm. I think that he would just fit in. You could slide him in next to Zach Collins or Jock or whoever you're playing. Um, obviously, we'll have to see what happens with Jakob and his contract. Um, but I think that he would kind of – the four is that position. It's the void that needs to be filled after Luka yeah. Samanich didn't work out. Um, let's see. Okay, this this is another question this year. Will we get the wins for Pop this year? So la- the Friday night game gave me a little bit more hope that we can get there. It's such a double-edged sword because it's like you want the highest odds in the lottery to get the guys that we're just talking about. But at the same time, you want to get those wins for Pop because you just want Pop to get that record. And we're not sure if this is his last season. Technically, yeah. his contract doesn't end until next year and maybe he just wants to coach it out i've heard a little people there's been some rumblings that he may coach one more season i know i'm sure a lot of us coming into the year may have thought that this is for sure going to be his last year um so we'll have to wait and see on that you know it's all out in the woods that's all media information it could be completely wrong who knows sources lie look at the college football search today lincoln riley to usc insane um but besides that after last night i think we can Will we is a completely different question. I'm sure you're probably looking at the schedule right now, Ethan. Um, and maybe you're not. I don't know. But that would be probably what I would have to look at in order to kind of answer that question. How many, Is it 21 more games that we have to win? 20? We're like at five. So, yes, we need we need 26. So we need 20 more wins. Okay. Uh, that's what, I was looking at the standings from last year, actually, Jude. I don't know what okay. our, our, our – so – uh, the Timberwolves were 13th, and they got 23 wins total last season. And then the jumps to 31 
for the Kings who had the 12th spot. So uh, I don't know. I think we'll be on the fringe. I think we'll be at the, like at the end of the season. We'll be pushing for it. Um, man, I don't know. That's a tough question. Because I like, well, are you looking? You at the keep talking because right I'm counting games. Yes, You're counting games. Okay. Yes, I'm I'll counting winnable games in my eyes. It's definitely feasible for us to get to twenty at least minimum twenty five wins this season. It'd be such a disappointment if we didn't. Um, considering we're in the same conference as the Thunder and the Rockets uh, and the Pelicans at this point, for some reason, they're playing really, really bad without Zion. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's also going to depend on injuries um, because so far in the season, we've had really bad luck with Jakob with COVID. And then all of a sudden, you know, Dougie's out, Devin's out for a couple games, uh, questionable now. Um, I don't know. It's such an up and down season with so many different. We variables. for sure. I'm looking at the. I'm counting that I was going to be over 20 winnable games left. There's okay. more than that. I. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yes, but I don't like. I think we're gonna get exactly 26 wins. <laughs> what if? What a way like, to go out. That would be crazy. We get exactly that. Honestly, that would be that would be super super fitting if if we got exactly 26. So the thing is. I don't think we haven't played the Rockets this year. So that and like that's going to be a tough game because it's always a tough game regardless of the records. But still, you know, one of the bottom teams in the NBA and they're in our division and we're yet to play any of our three games against them. Um, We also haven't we got to play Cleveland twice and we've only played Oklahoma City once. And the fact we lost that game was so bad. But like still we have them on the schedule um, we have like a bunch of games against Memphis and Sacramento. Uh, we Look play Charlotte. We play Charlotte twice. Yeah, they're, they're going to be tough, but winnable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that we can win. There are twenty winnable games. Like if we can beat the Celtics, we can beat. This is all can, not will, right? But we have the ability to do it. Will we do it? Is another question. I'm going to say yeah. yes. I'm going to say we get there, but barely. Like literally barely. So. Incoming River River Walk Parade, and yes, the Cavs are good, but hey, so are the Celtics. Um, so we'll have to see. Cavs have like six centers on the roster, though, which Dude, scares well, Evan the crap Mobley is just Mobley is just a beast. Mm, Mobley yep. is just a beast, man. I, I love what I'm. I loved him coming into the draft, and um, I'm happy to see the success he's having. You know, Cleveland, even though yeah, they had the whole LeBron thing. Cleveland's also honestly a really similar franchise to San Antonio. You know, not the biggest market. Yes, it's a city, but still not a huge market. And, you know, they're they're hanging around and making a good little roster there. Great front court with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And then you got Darius Garland and Colin Sexton in the backcourt. Yeah, that's going to be a tough team to play the more I'm talking about them. But yeah. you love to see, you know, even, even though you want the Spurs to be at the top, you want them to be the best small markets. You know, you love to see the other small markets win. We got to stick together, you know. Uh-oh, Gregory just dropped a bomb in the comments for you. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I don't know if we have know, time. <laughs> I don't know if we have time. That's a whole nother podcast. Uh, okay, I'll give you all a short one. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm a big LSU fan as well. Uh, you know, for all the bad, he there was a lot of good. You know, a Cajun winning a national title, you know, greatest season ever in our opinion, right? You can have other arguments with USC teams in Texas as well. But... uh 
you know, just just glad to see you got to ride off into the sunset with a with a great dub last night. So and we'll have to see what the replacement is. Like I already mentioned, I thought it was going to be our man Lincoln. He's off to SoCal. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But um, good comment, though, from my man, White Dog Skaters, Colin Sexton, out for the rest of the year. So that's good. We don't have to deal with him against the Cavs. As you can see, I'm locked in on the Spurs. I hope you all know I'm locked in on the Spurs. Sometimes I miss some other NBA news, but I swear I know what I'm talking about. Maybe. I swear. I, I swear. promise. I, I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, what, who, what, quick question, Jude. This can be really okay. short and simple. Would you rather have Pop retire without the win record or get the third overall pick? Not the one or two, but the third overall pick. Wait, wait, wait. Say it one more time. So would you rather first half? You oh said, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Would you rather pop get the win record and then we don't get like a top ten pick, or would you rather get like the third overall pick and pop retire after the season without the all time win record? To be honest with you, win record. Really? That's so. That's so terrible to say. Jeez. I'm okay. just like, no, let's do it. Screw it. <laughs> I thought you would go the completely opposite direction. That's- <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I guess being at that game made me just like that was the first game I've been to in I, I don't know how many. I mean, probably since 20, the last game I went to, I think was in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So just being there on Fiesta night, the environment, everybody like literally just hugging people. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. Like we were down there and there was this other guy who's like, oh, y'all are Celtics fans. You know, when I, me and my two friends walked up and then there were two other guys that then walked up with Spurs gear. He's like, oh, and you know, he knew it was crazy. He knew people we knew. It was like, you know, the whole Spurs family thing is, you know, maybe from the outside, it kind of just looks like a cheesy PR term. But like when you're in there, you feel it, man. And like I would. Yeah, I think 26 wins. We're still going to have. I mean, I know in this scenario, we don't get a good lottery pick. But in reality, if we get 26 wins, we're probably still going to have a pretty good shot in the lottery. You know what I mean? Um, Great yeah, goodness. yeah. Getting twenty six wins and rigging the lottery is my choice, just like we did in ninety nine. Um, I don't know, but whenever we got to him, uh, that might have been ninety seven. Yeah, uh, but we will have to see. We will have to see. But still, if it has to come down to that question, I think I'm going to go with the the wins record. I just want Pop to go out on top. We're going to get a good pick regardless if we have sub thirty wins. So yeah, that's where true. I'm at. Y'all get some of this gear, man. Look, dude, I didn't like, I honestly, it looks better. Like when I got on camera, I was like, this looks good. This, this really does look good. So you always look good, Jude. Thank you, Ethan. Right back at you, bro. Right Thanks, back man. at you. All right. Well, this will wrap up today's episode of SSP SPN live. Uh, we appreciate you guys being in here. I couldn't talk there for a second, but you guys are some real ones for sure. Uh, it was good to kind of just sit down and talk and do another live episode like this. I like the post games, but there's been so much pain this season. It was nice to just kind of yeah. talk about how the games were. And, you know, I guess we had a good weekend with that Friday game. We'll have to see mm-hmm. uh, what happens in this next week. But it's the Spurs season. We're going to be here all year long. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you did like this video. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. 
Uh, Nick, thank you for joining. My man, Houston Oilers. What's up, man? I'm sorry you just joined. Uh, and Greg, where do we cop the merch? You can cop the merch on Spurs Tube TV. We did actually have a hoodie ordered. We got an email about that. So whichever one of you did that, we appreciate you guys for buying that. Uh, it is the holiday season. If you'd like to go get some, go get some. If you don't, ha- if you don't want to, though, don't don't worry about it. It's just if you'd like to, we'd appreciate it. If not, you're still a fan. Uh, and we appreciate you. And we appreciate this Keldon Dunk even more. Remember that Grant Williams is his literal son, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.